better? Um, too early, so far, too early I guess, to tell, I guess we'll see. Yeah. Okay. Well, now it's saying average network. What was it before? Very poor network. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I was like, if it was like good and now it's average, we're going in the wrong direction. <laughs> right. So, what? Oh, you record. You've been recording this whole time without my permission. Yeah. Hey, can I record you? No. <laughs> okay. How about? <laughs> how about now? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Okay, good. And that's retro, so everything else is good. So, just to catch everybody up on what we've just been arguing about, I sent an article that I thought was pretty funny. It may not actually be funny, but it was an article about a guy out of this country i don't some other country i'm not sure where i think it was the uk was it uk okay Mm -hmm. where the guy gets mystery pizza deliveries and he's been quote unquote tormented by mystery pizza (laughs) deliveries for over a decade um i think i read through it and the guy's pretty like anytime the doorbell rings he's like he gets he's like real anxious about it and everything and like that's not great that a whole 10 years of like and apparently like tons during the day he doesn't know where it's coming from anyways so i send the article in our friend group that noah is also a part of and basically it's hilarious and i wanted to show them that uh, and then noah decides to say oh yeah no one better send me any pizza I don't care if they know that my address is blah, 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 and writes out his <laughs> his address in full. And then like, Listen, okay, that's that. hard. Yeah. <laughs> then, hard. I'm trying to get some free pizza. Yeah. So like, that's funny. <laughs> so we start another chat and one of our buddies, Zach, decides to send us a screenshot where he has, in fact, sent Noah pizza. So he called the bluff. And I think the the name of the... It's fuck with Noah's side chat is the name of the <laughs> of the chat. Which, by the way, I don't know if that chat's still going on, but it does concern me how many uh, side chats there might be plotting against me. <laughs> I only know of one, but when you say that, it makes me think there's a ton of them, and I'm not involved in some of them. Anyway, I wonder how many are plotting against you. That's the concern. Okay, so. Welcome to episode 10 of Play With It Podcast, guys. We talk toys, board games, and other things that we should have outgrown. We made it 10 episodes without killing each other and actually having more listeners than we did from the first episode. So that's that's going in the right direction, I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anytime we get through a week or a month where we haven't stopped being friends, I think is the right direction. It's always a win. Stuff is a nice benefit. It's always a so win. No, I would say uh, with all the stresses going on, we may have gotten the closest to not being friends we've ever gotten. So hmm. Maybe, but wait, why? <laughs> <laughs> the, the damn pizza. Oh, all right. <laughs> No, but you know, I think you know with the quarantine and everything, uh, stresses outside of the the world definitely like leak into your normal day to day. So I would agree that I think uh, there's a lot of stress on everybody's relationships with other humans. <laughs> I think you right. get out of practice yeah. with uh, working with other people. I'm back to work. I worked from home for a little while during like peak um, in my state, and. Uh, was fortunate enough to do that, but I'm back in the in the warehouse and I'm I'm wearing a mask and gloves and it's hot as fuck and 
you know, so I'm not maybe the most friendliest. So I'll apologize to you right now for anything oh. that I may have said. <laughs> but it's uh, been good uh, overall. Whatever. I'm sure it was my fault. And I said we just got closer. I didn't mean we actually no. stopped being friends. <laughs> I just thought it was you You were joking. But there was a little bit of truth and kind of like, you know, we all have to kind of sit back and give everybody a little bit of a pass uh, during everything. It's like, look, you know, things. Oh, for sure. Er- everybody's on edge. And uh, I, think- I don't know that there's anyone who's just like, oh, my gosh, I'm loving I'm loving life right now. 2020 yeah, has right. been the best year ever, dude. Because no matter no matter how you feel about any sort of situations going on right now, like there's so much going on, there's got to be something that makes you feel bad <laughs> about the world. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're still friends. We're still doing it. We're on episode ten. We got some toys to talk about. We got some board game stuff to talk about. We got a little bit of promotion to talk about. So uh, let's uh, let's get into a little bit of it. During our episode about Toy Fair in February, before the world ended, uh, we didn't get to talk about the G.I. Joe six-inch figure line that uh, was starting to come out. And I kind of wanted to readdress it because, A, we didn't actually address it. I think we mentioned it in passing. And a lot more has been revealed. A lot more things have been uh, released. And I, uh, I have... Uh, the new snake eyes in hand. So I've kind of looked at it. I might even grab it and look at it while we're talking about it because it should be nearby, but um, they're revealing more stuff. So I'm new to GI Joe's. I didn't have them as a kid, but I had friends that did have them. So I was very aware of it. Maybe I owned a couple of them, but um, it's one of those toy lines that I wanted to get into. And I'm now starting to get a little bit excited about them. I do collect six inch figures, but I was definitely on the fence on whether it's something that I even wanted to pursue. Um, I saw the initial run of, I don't know, what is it, four or five Noah uh, figures that came out yeah, the first. Four or five. Um, and, you know, I feel like it's been kind of a mixed bag of um, of styles. And um, it's like, it's a commitment, whether it was going to be a commitment or not. It's like, well, you know, do I want to get one? Do I want to get a few of them? I like smaller do you, figures. Do you want to pass? Yeah, exactly. That's do I just want to pass all together? Because I know I was more interested in the original size GI Joes, and you have been collecting. Uh, you kind of don't me tell excited. anything. I'm not don't. gonna Shh. give away, but there's a particular toy line uh, subline in the GI Joes that you've been interested in, and you've been working towards that, which got me excited. Yeah. I found a, a, a subset that I really like because that's the cool thing about GI Joes is it's this umbrella. Uh, that they really started throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks. And I get excited about the real outlandish stuff. Um, right. The real, very realistic military stuff doesn't do it for me. But the like sci-fi kind of aspect of it is it was more exciting more 90s. for me. Yeah, more and it was around stuff. the time that we would have you know seen them in the stores as kids. So having all said that, they dropped this really awesome Snake Eyes that was an exclusive to Hasbro. I think we both have agreed that we probably should have grabbed it uh, at this point. But it had a, a great like weapons accessory set that came along with the figure. Really great um, paint on it. Snake Eyes has been in the series since the beginning. Um, I think he was like an 83 release or 82 release from what I saw. He, he, was, eight, he was 82. Yeah. And Snake, it's so funny that Snake Eyes is like, 
if someone only knows one G.I. Joe, it's probably Snake Eyes. And what's yeah. funny is from what I've read, and who knows? Listen, guys and girls, there's a lot of people out there that know way more about G.I. Joe's than we yeah. do. So feel free to educate us, but please try not to get mad at us because we're not willfully being ignorant. We just don't know, right? So, yeah, yeah, we're um, new. We are new to it, and we have no problem telling you that we don't know what the fuck we're talking about. But we'll tell you from the current lens that we're looking through right now um, because we want to kind of discuss the six-inch figures. Um, but yeah. I believe Snake Eyes, Snake Eyes was 82, and one of the funny things about it is he was a cost-saving figure. They just wanted to do a toy that had no paint apps. And so that's why he was an all black ninja. And then come to find out like he was one of the most popular uh, GI Joe's ever created, which I think is funny. If true, the initial release was like snake eyes is really cool. The rest of them they're releasing or uh, showcasing it. Uh, the fair weren't super exciting. They looked a little more like, I don't know, cartoony, I guess when you say, um, so maybe not exactly the route we would want to go. So it was like, okay, yeah, whatever. They're kind of weird. They're like, I don't know. They're like, they, some of them like particularly like, I think it was Scarlet and Roadblock. Are they like the Joes that aren't snake eyes look just kind of very like generic military people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think, and I think we might've already talked about this, but Maybe. like, um, yeah, they just didn't seem very exciting. Yeah. Uh, then they came out with Destro with this, you know, the silver head and everything. And that actually looks really cool. I haven't decided whether yeah. it's something I'm going to grab, but I did get the normal release of Snake Eyes. I haven't taken it out of the package because I just got him, but he's very cool. And if they had given him real weapons instead of the like sci-fi laser blaster style weapons mm-hmm. that they gave him, the futuristic style ones, I think he would have been a perfect set but you know exclusive stuff is always they hold back certain things they do everything i don't think hasbro does hasbro do real guns anymore well if you look at the exclusive he has an uzi like that but i think that's why they did that because it was the exclusive release i don't know if they do like real guns for wide releases because even like i I bought like the x-force deadpool and he has a a quote-unquote real gun but it's painted blue with an orange tip Okay. Now you might be onto something. Maybe there's certain I know there's laws and I don't know how deep those run. I thought with model sized or figure sized scaled stuff that it wouldn't be an issue, but maybe it's just something about well you're advertising and advocating, you know, real weapon right. use or what have you. So that you could be onto something. Uh when I saw that they actually made uh really cool katanas and uh an Uzi and some other weaponry to go along with the limited edition release that made me hopeful and then when Mm -hmm. we get the main release we get the more futuristic stuff i'm not i know people were bummed about it i'm slightly let down but again i think it's a really cool figure altogether he is mostly all black with a few silver um paint apps on him and pretty dope so then i I had to make a decision am i just going to get him and then they released just recently the um pictures for the cobra commander which is another flagship character. And uh, I thought he looked really cool, and I'm probably going to grab him, and I think maybe I'll be done. I think if I could just get the two flagship dudes of the main series, uh, that will be the rules that I'll go by with subject to change as I go. Cobra Commander is really sweet. Uh, He looks cool. I have a feeling with this line that the Cobra 
side is going to be the side because they have like the unique cool characters. Yes. Like when I was looking back, at, uh, I was like, well, it's like generic dude, generic dude, generic dude, cool looking snake dude. Like, it's yeah, just, yeah. Like, all of the cool characters seem to be on Cobra. And uh, it's weird. Like I, we've talked before about my uh, my collection doesn't really have too much of a focus, but I realized I do have a focus. Yeah. It's bad guys. <laughs> yeah. They always have the coolest designs and toys. Like almost all of my toys are bad guys. Yeah. Uh, so what's know. funny about that, just to kind of harken back to our previous episode, when we were talking to David Arshofsky about his sculpting of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles toys, it was funny because he was talking about how he was mostly uh, involved in a lot of the, the crazier characters. And then you kind of like piggybacked on that and say, yeah, the bad guys, the coolest ones. So I bet you that was kind of like a, a figuring it out. That was a little insightful, and I don't know if it was meant to be. Where it's like, yeah, the coolest ones are usually the bad guys, and that's what we like to collect. I don't know if I feel like that specifically for me, but definitely with the G.I. Joes, the coolest ones seem to be on the Cobra side. So, so yeah, the Cobra Commander's cool. We saw some pictures. Here's something that I found very interesting. Um, there was another picture floating around of a different color combination for Cobra Commander other than the main release that they're getting ready to drop. And it's for, I think it's the network app. It was like a like some kind of retail app, an exclusive first drop on their app. And they did a pre-order with pictures of this like brighter blue, brighter gold, I guess kind of more along the lines of like the cartoon, because I have seen some of the cartoon uh, or a comic book. Um, so people... We're looking at that like, look, hey, it's a variant of the Cobra Commander that they just uh, announced, and it's going to be on this app. And so Twitter was ablaze about how, you know, get ready because, you know, download the app and sign in, and then you can get it at drop. So a bunch of people jumped on that, and uh, then they changed the picture to the exact same picture that every <laughs> the original stock promo picture of the regular colorway. And people are like, what the fuck is this? So <laughs> what it's and then they sent out an apology saying, uh, yeah, guys, we uh, got early pictures of a different paint prototype. And now we've updated it to the current one. Sorry. I don't remember. I read it <laughs> and a bear, I don't know what has come of it yet. But I know that 90% of the people that jumped on that, if not more, were not just trying to get the figure before everybody else. They were trying to get that colorway, which I didn't particularly, right. I wasn't into, but I understood um, you know, the appeal. And I don't know what's going to happen, uh, but they're obviously going to get the same colorway that everybody else is going to get. I'm wondering, like, short-term, what's going to happen with... Are they just going to get a bunch of returns, or they're, like, reluctantly going to... <laughs> this is clearly the the um, on-the-network people. I don't know. Maybe they were told that's what... Here, use these pictures. Maybe they got them from Hasbro, and Hasbro made the change, and they were stuck. Um, but I'm interested to see how that turns out. And, hey, uh, by the time you listen to this, if you guys were involved in doing that pre-order and then got the bait-and-switch... Can you let us know what happened there and what you guys are doing to resolve it? If they are doing any kind of concessions. Um, I was very interested. This kind of just recently happened a few days ago. 
And uh, I feel bad for the people that thought they were getting that and definitely aren't because I think they made the drop and then changed the photo. It wasn't like there was a lot of time. Right. Um, a little fuzzy on the time frame um, on all that, but it all happened very quick. And people are going to be upset. So I'm not going to try to go all in on the six-inch figures. They take up more space. But I actually didn't even write anything up about it. But I know that they're talking about doing a retro line. Surprise! A retro release <laughs> of uh, the 3.75-inch scale uh, figures. Uh, Walmart exclusive, uh, which, oh. as we all know, is fantastic. They do such uh. a great job with their... Okay, I can't say it anymore. It w- They're doing a really bad it, job of their exclusives, and it's it been wouldn't a be nightmare. so bad if they could ship a toy that what didn't get beat up. <laughs> like if they could just find a way to do that. Like, well, it's twofold. It wouldn't um, be so bad. I I received some just slightly bent card or not bent but uh, curled cards, and I I'm okay with that. That's fine. I got a messed up edge on one. I got a lot of the Star Wars retro line for the Empire Strikes Back started to come in. I'm still waiting on one, but I was doing really well and having really good luck after seeing some horror stories. And then I got one that was in the proper size box, but it was dog-eared on three of the four corners. And I showed you, (laughs) it was terrible. But what's interesting is that box couldn't have done it because there was plenty of room. And even if it got banged up side to side, it would not dog-ear the freaking card back. So they must have pulled it out of a package and it just got stuff got banged around and it is what it is. So I got off luckier, but I definitely saw um, on Twitter and on Instagram. some people taking pictures of them receiving those figures and um, some people got the real ghostbusters. I think it was, it was the marshmallow man stay puffed. And they actually had, it curled all the way over the card back bent all the way over to fit in the box. And they had, they bought multiples because they wanted to get one in good shape. It was even bubble wrapped around where they had bent the card. (laughs) And it's like, you guys are actively trying to fuck up these cards. Um, That wasn't the case for me. And it was maybe a month later that I received mine in bad shape, but uh, the stories are countless, um, and I really hope they get it straightened out because they keep getting these exclusive uh, Hasbro releases, and they're getting ready to do the Masters of the Universe uh, Origins. Some people are already starting to get it because the the Skeletor and the and the He Man because those are going to be evergreen and they're going to be around forever, and they're starting to hit the website kind of off and on. I haven't been lucky enough to get it in time. But there was a period of time where uh, Twitter was like, hey, uh, these are like available right now. You should buy them. And people are receiving them. And, you know, uh, it seems like it's still the same situation where some of them are worse than others. Not as bad. So I'm hopeful that they'll get the kinks out. But you get Walmart, get your shit together, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically collectors that are buying these. It's not just regular kids they care about the condition of the packaging you're the only game in town but don't take that and just say like well you can't get it anywhere else who cares because uh you know people will just i don't know it's a rock and hard place will they continue to buy it when in terrible condition i don't know i'm opening a lot of mine so i'm less mad about it but some people aren't no it's a clever ploy 
yeah. makes you go into the store instead of getting them shipped. Mm, <laughs> it, that's interesting. There, it's on yeah. purpose. I didn't think about that. Of course, it's on purpose. They don't. I mean, Walmart is like what, like the second biggest company in the world. They don't care. Yeah, they'll figure it out. Like, or actually, they don't have to figure it out. Well, Hasbro you'll, would might you'll pull keep buying their crack if they're everybody's angry and go, talking to Hasbro about how they're mistreating it. How many times are you going to mistreat it uh, to where Hasbro's like, you know what, Walmart, we're going to go with Target, which actually I've received figures from them and they also do a bad job. But um, someone might get it that takes maybe they'll go in GameStop again, which that's not super fun either. So I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. I get good, Walmart. That's the solution. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, another thing that's kind of going around that are very um, relevant to the current world state is um, the documentary that's come out, uh, Toy Store Near You. It's currently on YouTube. I believe it is related to the folks that do uh, the toys that made us, but it's released under um, Nacelle Company. And uh, there are two episodes in as of this recording. Are they releasing ep- like uh, weekly episodes instead of all at once? Uh, it is uh, not all at once. It is uh, timed out, but I don't know exactly the timing. I think it's whenever they can get it out. It seems like roughly huh. two weeks between episodes. So I th- this looked interesting. I just haven't had time to watch it. I've got yeah. too much going on, to be completely I honest, know. between checking out Dora Hidoro and playing uh, Pokemon Sword, <laughs> uh, as well as all the other games I... Uh, purchased on the last nintendo sale yeah as well as fitting in as many naps as i possibly can (laughs) oh and then there's some work in there like smattered around uh so i haven't had an opportunity to check it out but um sell me on it carl why should i check it out sure it's really well done it is following each episode is centered around a different toy store and kind of their current struggles um, and how they're handling the pandemic. Um, they are not considered essential, uh, I'm sure, even though I believe everybody listening here and us would ag- would agree that that's not the case, that we feel like they're essential <laughs> to us. Maybe not essential to the world turning. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. but <laughs> uh, They bring joy and joy is essential. Uh, I don't know. But I would imagine, I don't run a toy store, but I imagine that the margins can be really thin at times. I guess it depends on your business model and whatever, but these are small mom and pop shops generally. We're two episodes in. The first one uh, is focused around a shop in Portland, Oregon. And I believe I've heard of this one before. And I definitely have started to follow their Instagram, um, Billy Galaxy. You have a guy that used to be in like the punk scene that started a, um, a retail uh, vintage toy store. He's got a few employees. He goes through and kind of talks about, you know, what they've had to do during the quarantine. He had one of his employees um, had to stay home because of possible COVID um, related, had to be in quarantine because her husband had been in contact with someone. So they decided she had to stay home and trying to keep people employed while and, and keep the doors open. I would say doors open, but they're technically closed. I think they do a lot of online sales. But just seeing the struggles, these are just normal people that are passionate about their hobbies, trying to make money. 
and um, just having a hard time with it. I really liked episode one, but episode two I just recently watched. It's actually a couple. Another ex-musician, it seems like there's kind of a common thread in like heavy aggressive music and uh, toys. I don't know, dude. I think I, might be- <laughs> I, I feel I feel like the thread is people who want to have jobs that don't make a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I well, <laughs> or the odds of making a lot of money are really low. <laughs> it's tough. Um, you guys, we were in a band together, um, and and now we we didn't make toys. any money. We didn't make any money either. We it's, we don't it's, make any money doing this. No, we don't like making money. Um, so I, you know, to be passions. honest, obviously that was a joke. The threat is people who like want to do what they love, regardless yes. of the money. That's really what it is. It is. It's but I get that feeling. Where like I wish I was really into something that made money. <laughs> like I wish I had passions that were lucrative. But that's yeah. I know that feeling very well. <laughs> I wish I was somehow like I wish I knew as much about the stock market as I do about uh, Toxic Crusaders. Yeah. <laughs> or like I know, I know. Transformers. I wanted or... to know. It's not that I I could know, but I don't want to know. I want to know right. about toys and like. So not having your passions line up with things that are lucrative. But here's here's what's cool about episode two. Uh, it's a husband and wife, and they uh, it's Terry and Liz Taylor. They run uh, 1313 Mockingbird Lane Toys and Collectibles in Lawrence, Kansas. They are actual registered nurses uh, as well as store owners. But they just recently opened last year. So they're, that first year is tough when you like, we're going to sign a lease and we're going to open up a toy store. Oh, and guess what? Uh, pandemic, and no one could come in. So you have that stress on top of they were trying to get out of the nursing game, and then they just got called in, you know. And that's how they're paying their bills is you know being on the front lines. Um, it was a it was a heart tugging episode, and I think they seem to be awesome people. It's also interesting to see how these uh, toy stores are finding you know innovative ways to continue to um do business it's a passion so they always kind of find a way billy galaxy does seem like they do ebay work and these guys were doing like facebook live events where they're doing like uh live sale auctions um with terry and liz um and uh seem like everybody's doing the best they can and are able to roughly stay afloat so i'm really Pulling for these guys. It's really cool. You, Everybody should watch it. They're about 20-minute episodes, so it'd be easy to get caught up and you know support them. I'm really into it. I'm interested to see two things. One, I want to see how other stores are doing, and I would love to see a follow-up at the end of the season with you know things starting to uh, open yeah. back up and things maybe starting to shut back down. This is a very fluid situation, and I'd like to see how these guys are are doing i have i need to add um 1313 mockingbird lane to my like find out where they are on the interwebs so i can kind of track them too because i want to see how these guys are doing and be nice to give them some money i'm sure they got something i want um if you guys find them on the interwebs you guys should uh look them up and you know give them it's nice to see them get some exposure they all seem like great people and um you know, we got to keep the the vintage toy store thing going because it's. I've been to a couple of them. They're really magical places, and with people that really care about it, 
I'm afraid that's going to go out with like the dinosaurs if we don't, right. you know, keep them, um, keep them going. So if they're allowed to die, there's a chance they might never come back. Right. And, um, I think you've got to try and take care of the things you love, uh, because if you don't, they will, it will go away. And, uh, the thing is really like, if you want to look at it from a very, even just like selfish perspective, like, the more toy stores there are, the more people that there are involved in the community, the more people there are interested, the more companies make stuff, the more you get to enjoy your hobby. Like, I mean, I personally don't look at it that way. I look at it on probably a less selfish way, but I always like to try and show both like, Hey, you don't even have to care about these people. But like, if you care about your collection and this amazing boom we had and like cool toys before all this happened, like, you want these places to survive because yeah. this is what yeah. creates the people who are causing these cool things to happen. Correct. Um, so whether, yeah, whether you want to be like very altruistic or you're just selfish, like <laughs> there is a reason why you should do this. Yeah. The, there's no reason not to. So I'm glad that they're being highlighted and I really hope that it drives their business and um, you know, you guys should check it out. It's pretty cool. Uh, it's really well done considering that a lot of the footage has to be kind of done at home and uh but the editing is top notch and um great stories behind these people so spoken like a true editor someone who does editing oh man that editing that's what i say when i sit down to a show man really love that editing well you can (laughs) tell the quality bro you know i know that (laughs) maybe maybe i am telling a little bit about how important that is but I have I've seen things that are of less quality and editing is a big piece. They're making a whole new version of Justice League and putting on HBO Max because of the editing <laughs> and the footage. So yeah, editing's a big deal. Um check it out, guys. Next thing I want to talk about. Last episode we got to do an interview. It went really well. We're really happy uh to talk to David Arshovsky. And during that interview, we were talking to while we were talking to David, Noah had mentioned that he also makes toys, and it was kind of the first semi-introduction. It was his first appearance, essentially, of being a toy maker as well. It's something that we've kind of been yeah. sitting on for a little while. Got it. I gotta bag up that episode and keep it, get it to the CGC as soon as possible. First appearance. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. First appearance of Grim Dork Toys. So I kind of wanted to give uh, Noah an opportunity to kind of discuss a little bit about what he's been doing, you know, outside of the podcast and everything, doing the toy designs, um, and also talk about designer toys as an umbrella for toys that are not mass produced that are made by Hasbro and Mattel that we tend to talk about all the time there is a really nice vibrant scene going on with uh designer toys and i think people are getting hungry for it i think it's growing even though we're probably newer to that than a lot of other people i think it's still underground enough that we need to be a part of getting the word spread out so we kind of wanted to cover that, but I also specifically, since Noah is basically a part of that community, um, to kind of discuss his line of toys from Grim Dork Toys. So Noah, tell uh, us about it. Yeah, they're cool. Check them out. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> so, uh, no, so I, I should I, start- I, I tell you what should I like 
uh, fake interview you so we can kind of get the information out? Or do you just want to, <laughs> like, I don't want to just open prompt you and you feel like you just have to kind of go in all directions. Like, I, that's not, that's well, unfair. I'll start and then you can, like, yeah. fake interview. If you- what, what do you do? <laughs> what kind of toys do you make? Let's start there. Well, so, okay. Uh, I'll start here, actually. Sure. Uh, so I started making, getting interested in designer toys around, well, making them around October of 2018. I started yeah. making them in November. Uh, basically, if there's the designer toy scene is very, at least from my perspective, very much located on Instagram. Yeah. And so, like, I started seeing these cool resin toys people were making, based, uh, you know, like bright green Boba Fett's and like people making cool He-Man mashup toys and all this stuff. And it got me interested to start following that. Uh, and then I found this toy maker who was making his own designs. And I was like, Oh, that's a, that's a thing you can do, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and like, you don't have to just make other people's toys in different colors. You can make your own toys. And uh, yeah, I kind of went from there in November. I started watching uh videos on how to sculpt and how to create molds it's it's really toy making is like it's it's cool all the information used to not be out there on how to do it and it took a little work to figure stuff out i think now toy like designer toy makers are kind of realizing like no we should share all this because the more people there are into it the more toys that are made right yeah so the information is out there um and uh yeah i just started like learning as much as i could about the process learning how to sculpt started sculpting up my own toys and uh, producing them. And it's been a lot of fun. I primarily work in um, resin. So there, in the designer toy scene, there's kind of a, a few different paths you can go. You can make resin toys, which are the cheapest and easiest to make it in your house. Yeah. And basically that involves like creating a mold of some sort of the toy, whether you sculpt it or you're going to use uh, toys that already exist. And then buying resin and pouring the toys and then um, creating copies that way. The other main path is making vinyl toys. And so a lot of those are involved. You create your toy and then you send it to a factory, whether that's in Japan or China makes a lot of vinyl toys right now. Um, That's a lot more expensive. Usually that's the path of like more established designer toy artists. Right. And um, those are kind of the two, two big paths. Uh, I mean, there's other, Sure. Custom stuff in there too. But so I mostly do resin right now um, just because that's what I can afford to do. Yeah. So, yeah. And so I started in November and I've just been releasing a lot of toys. I've taken a little bit of time off. Uh, unfortunately, like with the pandemic, my job has gotten more, it's busier. Yeah. So I haven't had a release in a little while, but I did like six or seven releases in a year. So you were, <laughs> I can like take a, take a little bit of time off. So yeah. the thing about Noah that you may, you guys may find out, um, is that once he gets into something, he goes pretty hard on it. And, uh, there's this like inner grind and fire to be the best at something that he can possibly be. And he, he burns bright, man. He goes in like, Hey, I'm getting to this thing. And then, boom, he's got six releases of a toy. And some people take, you know, one a year, maybe like four a year. Um, but he works at a a, a, a blistering pace. And uh, But before this, he was putting out a lot of awesome stuff. I think the first toy you did was really ambitious. And I know that you had a lot of uh, – it was a big one. How tall do you think uh, that one was? 
just to get uh, like, so the first one I made was yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. let me roll back <laughs> sure so at a flea market I found a Takara 1993 recreation of this toy line they had called Neo Henshin Cyborg. This one was like a 70s uh, a character they had, right? Yeah, a, a, a recreation they right. made in the 90s right. called Invader Z. It was made in vinyl. Um, and that's doing research on what that was, even was, was what kind of led me towards um, learning about vinyl toys. Yeah. And then got what's kind of got me really excited about making toys and kind of sparked me trying. And so my first toy was actually kind of like a part bootleg, part original creation of that toy. I uh, copied the head and then I sculpted the entire body. Yeah. And uh, it, he's probably like nine, ten inches tall, maybe 12. I have one on my desk. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah and so, I would say, yeah, about nine inches. That makes sense. Uh, for my first toy ever making, it really was too ambitious. It was huge, but he's, he had this idea like, I'm going to, and he did a little bit of everything. Cause you have people that make these really cool, like bootleg toys that are, um, like a twist on an exact copy. And then you have people that do original sculpts and he did a toy that had both elements and it came out really cool, especially for your first toy. Cause I, I can't imagine everybody else's first toy being, um that well made and uh he made a box with a window it and i i just know how many times in the process he's like dude i don't know if i can do this like you put so much time and effort but it came out you did it and i was like you just got to get over that and you probably should look into doing something a little smaller this a little so that you can you don't almost quit three times while you're making the thing so um but i i just think uh, you put out a lot of content already, and I'm excited to see some more stuff. Uh, I know you have been kind of working on a newer uh, design that um, might be pretty close to being unveiled at some point. Um, so, well, yeah, honestly, the- so the, the resin is a great medium, and anyone who's even remotely interested sh- in making any sort of toys should do it. Like, you can get resin on Amazon, you can get silicone for making yeah. molds on Amazon. There's videos everywhere about how to do it now. Yeah. Um, anyone should do it. I probably started too big. <laughs> so like, yeah. uh, but start with something small, start with making a copy of something small that you love. And then if you want to go to original stuff, go from there. But um, personally, I don't have the time, like the amount of hours if, if you calculated like how much I made hourly, like my t- toys sell for about 50 bucks. And so I have like a resin toy. I make p- pretty elaborate packaging. Yeah. Um, card backs and everything. Graphically, yeah. Yeah. I have to graphically design everything. I do all the graphic design myself. I commission the artwork, um, because I wanted a certain feel I couldn't achieve. Yeah. Um, but top down, like I'm, physically doing every single part. And so if you calculate hourly, like what I'm making to do this, it's probably like negative $50 an hour. It's at a loss, which is fine because I love it and I'm not trying to make money. I'm trying to do something I love. Yeah. But when you get into like other time as a resource and other ways I can allocate that time that would better help my family. Like it doesn't make so much sense anymore. So what I'm probably going to be transitioning to is more either vinyl or like getting factory made toys, like not exactly like Lyos, which is like a smaller toy company, but like, you know, something factory made where like I can paint it, I can still design everything. Yeah. But the hours of like pouring resin and trimming and all yeah. that stuff, I don't have to do anymore. Um, 
So that's kind of where I'm headed right now. Well, I think it's uh, it's the next progression. So just to go back after his insane first toy that was way too much for him to do, but he did it anyway. The next thing that he started doing was these smaller, I'd say maybe four and a half inch uh, figures. And um, he's kind of starting to build a world around um, kind of like a post-apocalyptic creature mutant um, world that a lot of his characters, we have a lot of similar interests. So of course I'm all on board on all of it. Um, (laughs) But so he's got these uh, characters uh, that are under the toy lines called mutoids. And there's these really cool mutant dudes with great packaging. Like he's now got card backs and it's a, you know, with a blister and like a custom artwork. They're really awesome. Um, All small batch and takes a lot of time to create. So I think it now that you've figured out, you've kind of explored all those different facets of making the DIY, making everything yourself. It makes sense that you would start going towards, okay, I'm going to focus because you can't really focus on one thing because you have to do it all. If you would able able to focus your time into just design and then getting that moved over to production, someone doing handling the production for you, whether it's vinyl or glios or what have you. Um, I think that would be amazing. And I hope that you get to, I know that it's like time versus money. So it's like you, it's more (laughs) money, but then it takes up less time. Um, And maybe that's where you're at now. And that's that's great. I think so. I would never tell anyone to make toys to make money. Right. No, for every, like there's, there's a, in the vinyl scene, there's like a couple vinyl artists that probably make like a really good living selling their toys. But for every single one of them, there's someone who, works a full-time job and they just make vinyl toys for fun. Yeah. And so I would, I would definitely be thinking of that second option. If that getting into toys is something you want to do. Um, If you can make it self-sustaining, I think that's really the main goal. It's like, if I can continue to pump out stuff and make enough money to pump out more stuff, I mean, that's the win, right? Right. Um, For sure. Like that would be 100% the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Um, But really it's like, the way I think about it, it's not a business, it's art. Yeah. And I think with art, you have to be willing to like spend money to do it, right? Sure. Like if art is more like a personal journey and like toys are the cool thing about toys is art is you can share it with a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and it's uh a little more interactive and people can relate to it on a little different level than just like paintings or things it's like that. It's a sculpture that. you can pose, you know, like right. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of where I always came from it from. And I think that's where a lot of artists come to it from. Like, there's a really cool, like, big community on Designer Toys right now. If you just put, like, hashtag Designer Toy in Instagram, you'll see all sorts of incredible professional-looking stuff and, like, a super sweet dialogue. Like, I spent a lot of time trying to build an Instagram community. That's where I did most of my sales through. And, like, all the cool artists I met, um... And just people I met, like, and still, you know, still know. I'm not as active on there right now because I'm so busy. But, yeah. like, it's a cool community. And if you're into toys, at all, like, if you're into toys, which I assume you would be to some degree if you're listening to this podcast, um, or maybe you're just into board games, but whatever. Um, it's it's a cool niche part of the toy world that um, is still kind of underground and worth exploring. And I think that's kind of part of what even really brought me into it was just when i saw my the first 
designer toy on Instagram. And I was like, oh, not only is that really cool, but literally 10 people have will have that toy. Yeah. Like, and I'll be one of the 10. And it's like a character I really like. And yeah. it's like unique. And like, I don't know. It's a cool community. It's definitely worth checking out. So on that, um, what are some of your favorite uh, artists? Uh, I know I kind of made a list of just a few of them and we can't name everybody. And I know I'm going to forget some that are my favorites. Um, but is there anybody that um, you uh, really like their work that you think people should check out? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot. Uh, I uh, probably the same ones I have on here, but (laughs) one of the people I really enjoy. So there's just so many different facets to it. So I would say like, check these people out. If it's not something you're like into check, check them all out because there's just so many different cool little niche groups in the designer toy industry. I guarantee you'll find something that really speaks to you. It's like Um, art where you, well, I'm not really into abstract, but I really like realism or I really like, um, you know, Andy Warhol, like pop stuff. Like there is as many types of toys as the, uh, toy design styles as there are, um, like art styles. So you'll find something, but you guys should check it out. Go ahead and tell us what I didn't mean to interrupt. I just, yeah. And Carl, if we could link, link to these in the show description. Okay. Um, that'd be cool. Yep. So more work for me. Cool. What, one of the artists that I really like, and he, uh, he spans the genres. He's done some resin stuff and he does vinyl stuff is Motley Miss creations. Oh yeah. Um, he, he does like, it's cool. Toys are cool because it's such a multi-discipline form of art. Yeah. Because you have to like get good at sculpting. You have to get good at producing the toys. You have to like mold making and you have to get good at painting. Yep. And then you also kind of have to get good at advertising. Yep. <laughs> you have to get good. Like you really have to like know all this stuff about these pretty in-depth subject matters. And I, I really like Motley Miscreations because he's like really good at sculpting. He's really good at painting he's a really nice person like uh and uh i would definitely recommend checking checking their stuff out uh particularly their belfry is probably yes uh, my favorite we're both we both own a belfry you got one first and i was like that's not fair and then i got one (laughs) and he does small runs so like the paint the uh, each paint colorway is different and he just really puts in a lot of the details there these are vinyl toys that I guess he's probably like 10 to 12 inches. Or probably 10 inches, 11 inches. 10 inches, I think. He does really cool double-cast resin stuff. Oh, still. that's hard to do. Yeah, like really cool stuff. Explain um, uh, double-cast well, real quick, just for other people to... You know, resin is basically plastic. So imagine you have a clear plastic toy, and then inside of that toy is another toy, almost. So like you have a clear He-Man, and then inside could be He-Man's skeleton. Um, that you could see through the clear plastic. Yeah. And so double cast resin is basically just putting one toy inside of another toy. So you can see them both and it yeah. creates really cool effects. Yes. Um, a lot of times it's like skeletons because that's like a really obvious thing to do, but there's also like a lot of other cool stuff. Like I recently got a double cast Bulbasaur from Scott. I think it's Scott Wilkowski. I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, but oh, yeah. we'll link him. Um, where it's clear green Bulbasaur and then inside you can see Bulbasaur's skeleton and it, it's super cool. That's awesome. Um, so that's double cast. And that's something I really appreciate about Motley Miscreations is they they do 
kind of both both of the major sides of designer toy making. Yeah, and usually these are all one man bands or one person one person shows. bands. Yeah. yeah. Uh, another person I really like is Usher Monsters, and we'll again we'll link to his stuff. He he's put out a couple of pretty cool toys that are uh, the sculpts are insane on. Like he's a great sculptor. He also does a, the cool thing about his Instagram. If you want to check out, is he paints a lot of other people's toys, like a lot of the vinyl, oh, yeah. other people's vinyl toys, and uh, so you can get, see and pick up his stuff. You can pick up other people's stuff. And that's kind of one of the cool things about vinyl toys as well is in that community um, collabs. It's right? not just the toy, right? Yeah. Collaborations. It's like if you got like a GI Joe and you got to choose the paint scheme, like who you, yeah, like what colors you wanted him to be or like, and different artists offered different colors and you could take that GI Joe and say, Hey, paint him like this. Cause I think that's super cool. Um, that's one of the really cool things about the vinyl toy scene and uh, Usher Monsters. He does a lot of really cool paint schemes. Awesome. More on the resin side, Barbarian Rage. Yeah. Uh, was one of the early ones I found. Yep. He does really cool bootlegs and uh, bootlegs again. That's kind of like taking an existing toy and making it your own. Um, and he does really cool Masters of the Universe and Star Wars bootlegs. Uh, he's uh, pretty much the master at double casting. He does a lot of really cool double casts and I would highly recommend checking out his stuff. Uh, it's got a really cool, cool feel to it. I would also say uh, if you, <laughs> if you want to check out like one of the bigger vinyl toy people, um, real head yeah. is he makes really cool toys that are really hard to get a hold of in the United States. Um, He's but, based like, if in you Japan, kinda, right? Yeah, he's based out of Japan. And so if you want to kind of see the essence of like Japanese vinyl and like one of the top people in that scene, Realhead is someone to really check out. I, I love his stuff. I hope to have a piece by him someday. Yeah, I know. Same. Uh, it's just really hard to get hold of. Uh, and then probably the the last person I'll mention is Wonder Goblin. Yeah. Uh, he's another vinyl tour artist. He makes really cool sculptures and unique original characters. And then you know, to top it all off, he's an amazing painter. So he has a really His great collaboration. Are very unique and bright, even though things are kind of wild looking, like kind of right. grotesque, he, but like I don't know, dreamy. I guess. Brings, yeah, it's like a very cool, like candy coated seventies, like that, like bright, but still there's like a darkness to it, sort of feel. Yeah, um, that is super cool. Uh, that. Uh, I just really enjoy. He has a really great collaboration with this other artist named Skinner. It's called the Fungoid Man. Yes. And oh my gosh, the sculpture is amazing. And when uh, Wonder Goblin paints it up, it's like insane. Uh, and then one of his pieces that I'm very ha uh, proud to own is the Hagapus, which is oh, yeah. this cool, like Cthulhu looking monster. Also takes paint incredibly well. And, uh, yeah, those those are just a few people. There's so many people though. Like if you check out those people and then just look look at like some of the people they follow and comment, um, you'll find like so many great artists to to check out. And that's the really cool thing is the community is so awesome. Like like supportive, talking, shouting each other out, like doing collaborations. Like it, it takes toys into a really cool place where when i think of like production toy collectors it seems very it seems a little more insulated like here are the here's here's the toys i collect here's my collection 
like we can kind of talk about it, but like this is like very insular. Whereas the designer toy community is very much like, oh, here's what I'm bringing to the table. What are you bringing to the table? Yes. Let's put them together. Let's like let let's oh let's bring in this third thing, which oh, is a little jarring. It's so that. freeing. You're like, wait a second, where's the rules here? Where do I get my yeah. credit? Where do you get your credit? Like, nah, dude, we're all part of the like we're working together, and like it's it's way more fluid and freeing. And once you kind of get that vibe, you're like, oh. Um, a lot of that stuff is kind of silly. Um, the whole like protective <laughs> drawing like a box around you. It's like, no nah, man, like we like what you have. You like what we have. We should work. We can like collaborate like on ideas and collaborate on the actual art. Um, if you want, if you don't like no one's forcing you, but definitely kind of opened my eyes to like a whole nother way of like thinking about toys. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like the best artists that I found like seem to be the ones these days who are like just rejecting the rules. Like even in the designer toy community, there can be like quote unquote rules, like some, like even a little bit of gatekeeping, like, Oh, don't tell people how we do this. We had to learn this the hard way. And so they have to learn it the hard way. But one thing I always tried to do, and not like I'm very small time, but I always tried to freely share information. And some of the bigger people, like even particularly like wonder goblin have been very open with like, oh, like, here's how I make paint, which, uh, like, this may sound odd to people who are not part of the designer toy community, but learn someone just teaching you, yeah. like, teaching everyone, making a YouTube video of how they mix and create their vinyl paint is a big deal. Like, a, that's a closely guarded secret for, like, a lot of different artists. Well, And so I find that it's, like, opening up a lot more, and uh, I'm so excited because everyone should make a toy. Like, it... The more artists there are, the more it raises everyone's game. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. It's, it's a bit cool. of a healthy competition as well as kind of like, a, oh, look at what they're doing. That gives me an idea and I want to do a thing um, all while doing your own version. So his name's uh, James Sizemore, uh, Wonder Goblin is. And since we're talking about him specifically right now, uh, I didn't realize he had a video about paint mixing because he's the one that you would want to watch how he makes his colors. Yeah. Cause I've never seen such vibrant colors come together in such a way. That's one of the greatest kind of marks of his art is his, his color combinations. Like he's got like pinks and greens and, and purples and blues that are coming together. And it's almost like they glow, even though they're not glowing. So to know yeah. how what his secret sauce is on that is pretty crazy. Uh, I, I would love to have any of these guys uh, on to uh, kind of discuss their art and kind of like their, their whole path and journey on this. Uh, but he's one that I would really like to reach out and, and talk to, uh, maybe even specifically about what he's doing with his paints. Um, yeah, uh, he, and he seems like I don't, I've never, I haven't talked to him personally, but he seems like a very down to earth person who would probably be up for that. Yeah, he he um, he's following us, so uh, <laughs> I might, oh I'll, I'll reach out. We'll see. <laughs> One final person I'd like to mention on the resin side of things yeah. is uh, Cos Robot. Oh yeah, P really cool artist. I'm pretty sure he's out of Russia. Yes, and uh, he may makes really cool original resin characters and he also does cool stuff like he was one of the first people i believe to make a toy based on the band ghost mm -hmm. which was a pretty big deal and then uh super seven like made almost the exact same toy like which was weird but um i don't know how that all works 
and I don't want to accuse yeah. anybody of anything. No, no accusations at all. But that's uh, just a I fact. There, there was also another one by Super Seven after that right. one was out. So, um, and then he makes these really cool, uh, like he has his own little space, like universe of like space people called Cosmo Cold, yes. and he also made uh, some really awesome space marine toys like before bandai before uh there were space marine toys he made these really awesome rogue trader space marine toys um that i was very happy that i was able to get a hold of two of them um they're like just perfect in every way i regret not grabbing them i really because i he hasn't done anymore i think he's going to at some point but he does small runs and he sells out fast and I don't think he's done any more since. Uh, but yeah, game, uh, no, I don't. Up. I don't believe he has. But he's worth checking out for sure. Even his Cosmo Cold stuff is cool. I also yes. own one of those. And uh, one thing I really like is he's re- he really seems to push it as far as like um, innovation with his uh, articulation and the way he sets up his resin toys. Um, he just does a lot of really cool stuff that I have I personally haven't seen before and never would have thought of. Um, and, uh, when you look at his toys, it's not like, oh, you can tell that person made it in a garage. It's like, oh, that's, they look like a company. Yeah. It looked like a company made it, but it's one guy. It's pretty great. Yep. Um, and -hmm. just to reiterate guys, all these artists can be found on Instagram. It's a really good place to kind of hunt for these, these, um, artists because they usually have a link in their bio. Um, we'll do them a solid and make sure that we post links in our show notes. So you guys can take a look at those, but Instagram, they're all on there. And, uh, you can also see their work cause they're constantly posting really cool photos. It makes you really want the toy. They'll let you know when you should follow them. So you know, when they're going to do a drop, cause that's another thing about this world of designer toys is that generally they're all small run and they will tell you when they're going to be released because they're small run and they're semi-popular with their community, they sell out really quick. So find out when they're going to do a drop, pick something up, get on their mailing list. I know Wonder Goblin has a uh, mailing list that I'm on, and so I'm always keeping an eye out. I have one of those fungoid uh, Skinner Wonder Goblin collabs, and it's one of my favorite price possession uh, designer toys. It's such a cool design, so check their, their stuff out and uh, give them some love. They deserve uh- it. And honestly, like I'm, I'm not as active as I was, but I will become active again. And, um, if anyone has questions or wants to start this journey, um, you can reach out to me on Instagram, grim underscore dork. And like, I'm happy to like point you in whatever directions, uh, I can from sculpting. Like there's a series of videos where I learned how to sculpt properly, by here i'll shout him out because he he literally started <laughs> his video has started my toy making career yeah, actually it's so. his fault so give him give him all the the blame yeah his name's josh foreman um his instagram is breath underscore of underscore life underscore dev he does really cool sculptures and he is in the process of writing a book series in his own universe with his mom and he very often does Instagram live videos, like showing his design process and stuff like that. But he has a, a series of videos on how to sculpt with Sculpey, which is the uh, medium I used for sculpting. It basically, without those videos, like 
that's what started me on making toys was those videos on how to sculpt and then uh craftsman is how i yeah. learned how to to mold so and i'm sure most people know who craftsman is these days because he's like he's blown up which he deserves because his videos are amazing yeah he's um, he's but, a character and uh it just looks so fun he's having so much fun doing yeah, he's showing you yeah it's awesome um but yeah so if anyone wants to reach out to me and wants to start this journey like has questions like i'm I, I want everyone to make a toy. I'm not gatekeeping anything. So awesome. uh, just reach out and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. If anyone wants to check out some of my releases, you can go to grimdorktoys.com and look at some photos. There's also some on my Instagram. So yeah, uh, reach out. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that, Noah. And I'm I'm just excited to get other people kind of on board on checking this stuff out because it's a whole vibrant um, culture that... Um, we want to share with people because it's really awesome. All right. So I think the last thing we got more topics than we have time for. So I want to talk about the masters of the universe board game, uh, announcement. And then I want to talk about our, um, promotion. And I think that'll probably close out today's episode. Um, so do you want me to start with the Motu board game or do you want to start? Maybe I'll announce it and then I'll get your, your hot take on it. Cause I already well, know how this is going to possibly go. <laughs> so you, you take, you take your masters of the universe, right? <laughs> Which is okay. arguably the most soullessly created toy line on the planet earth in the sense that it was really created from a point of, we just need to make a lot of money very corporate <laughs> which uh, it's co become more people love it but like i can never forget that that's where it came from right and then you take your most soulless board game company simon who really just pumps out the same game over and over and over again uh with different skins they're like the funko pop of board game companies oh careful and you smash them you smash them together and what do you get who knows Hopefully it's interesting, but I guarantee there's going to be a crap ton of miniatures. <laughs> uh, so, so that's Noah's take. It was dripping with his particular feelings towards it. But yeah, there was a press release uh, not too long ago about Cool Mini or not getting the license to put out a Masters of the Universe uh, board game. You know that we've covered some Come On or Simon, however you want to say it, uh, board games. Oh yeah, they do say Come On now, don't they? I th I don't care. Um, it's Simon as far as I'm concerned. But anyway, Cool Mini or not <laughs> has put out lots of games. Some are great. Some of them were phoned in, I think. But basically, they had, it's a pre-announcement that, hey, uh, we are going to do a game. We're going to put it on Kickstarter. I don't think they said when. Maybe they gave like a quarter. 2021. Is that what it was? Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so we got some time, but we don't know anything about it, which is perfect for us because that we can just <laughs> take and run with it. Um, well, we actually know a little bit, actually. Okay, what do so you got? We do know that Michael Schinnell is going to be the lead designer, developer, manager, uh, in conjunction with uh, Leo Almendita. I don't know much about Leo, but I do my know Michael has had his hands in a lot of CMON projects, and actually some that are kind of, like, actually, I would say more on the creative side. Sure. Um, like, I know he had a lot to do with Dark Age, which yeah. I, I have not played, but... 
because I got into it right when it was dying. I know. But <laughs> it looked like a really fun, awesome system that had a lot of thought put into it. Wrath of Kings was basically this uh, the same system with a, like a fantasy skin. Yeah. Um, and those those are like those are the main ones that I know he had like some hands in. And so, you know, hopefully that means this will have like this won't just be like a zombie side reskin or yeah, whatever. Um, hopefully there'll be some like thought and cool stuff put into it. He also had a lot to do with uh, the Song of Fire and Ice game. Okay. That the, they created. And I know people have a lot of nice things to say about it. Yes. Just, it didn't make me excited. But yeah, it wasn't for yeah. me. But I have a friend that took. Uh, he's probably listening to this actually um, at some point that took all of his A Song of Ice and Fire miniatures because he went all in and he's been buying all the extra stuff. He sent them all to get painted because he doesn't believe in his own abilities and uh, spent thousands of dollars to get them painted up. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and I think he's starting to get them back and kind of display them. Uh, he's played the game a couple of times and really enjoys it, but he loves everything Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire. Uh, they're big fans of the Fantasy Flight, a Game of Thrones game, uh, which is like pre-HBO show um, release, I believe. Uh, and I played it with him and it's a lot of fun. But anyway, I digress. So I think what we have here is a very 50-50 chance, maybe 60-40 chance of this going really well. And um, they've made some great games. I think we just got really burned out with the zombie side reskins uh, with slight changes. After, I know that, and I've said this before, I think even on this podcast, when I got Green Hordes, it's like, oh, this really isn't enough different from the Black Plague. I know it's in the same universe and you can play with it all together. But it's like you really just kind of added one major mechanic to it. And I just spent another hundred dollars or whatever it was to get that. So uh, oh, and then the they did then Yeah, then they did then yeah, and then they did the um the invaders, and I was like, oh, a space theme, that's what I want. And I was like, they're trying to get me again. Um <laughs> maybe they've learned their lesson because you know, they do a lot of work ahead of time before these releases and they were doing one right after another and they're like chain smoking these kickstarters and i feel like they've kind of backed off a little bit on that or maybe i haven't been paying attention but um they also make great games uh blood rage is awesome um i hear massive darkness is pretty good a lot of those war games you mentioned um well i like the idea of uh, massive darkness i didn't play it you have it not not so much i have it I mean, it's fine. It's a miniature machine. That's the thing that yeah, it's cool mini or not, not cool board game or not. <laughs> like yeah, they really are pros at selling miniatures, and yeah. uh, gameplay a lot of the time seems very secondary. Mm. Um, but I know a lot of people love that game. I might be crazy, but uh, that's okay. Usually, there's just enough meat on your bo- the bones to play it a couple times, and then after that, it's like. Eh. Yeah. Now I have like $300 worth of miniatures I don't want. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fair statement. There's a lot of characters in the Master of the Universe uh, world that they can make miniatures of. So I know that that's... But that's going to get people excited. And I hope that that doesn't overshadow a good game. But I will well, say a lot of those uh, games you mentioned are all war the, games. Looking at the press release. Sorry to interrupt. You're fine. Uh, I like... Uh, where was it? This game will feature highly detailed miniatures figures of these characters giving both gamers and collectors a thrill <laughs> like uh, there's no there's no talk about the gameplay <laughs> like, I, the i'm sure there. they're literally designing it right now i think they got the license got excited put out a press release they're not ready for it until next year anyway so um 
But yeah, here's hoping that it's good. Uh, I can probably guarantee you Noah will not back it uh, for many reasons that he've already, he's already kind of discussed. Well, I'm going to no, reserve I mean, my right to not get it, depending on if it sounds like a good game. I don't want it to rest on the Motu laurels of, well, I'm just going to sell this to Master Universe fans because they are a very tight-knit community that has grown over and over. They have their own convention that unfortunately got canceled this year. So they're going to be hot they, for something. You know, they also have a lot of leeches on their back right now. <laughs> Motu fans. How many different He-Mans have been released in the last five years by different companies? Like how many, how many copies of the same character can that fandom support? I'm, I'm guessing a lot because they keep pushing them out. But when does that, when does that back break? Like when does that, like when do the wheels when fall is, off? Maybe when is it, it overexposure? Yeah. I think what you're referring to is it getting kind of passed off to Super 7 with the figures and then getting passed back to Mattel and then doing a relaunch again, all really kind of soon. I don't know what the legalities on that was, if there was like a lapse uh, of the license or more of a handoff. Here, you can have this for three years. And then they put out a few waves and then like, you know what? Actually, we should actually do something about this because we're going to do a Netflix show and we should we now kind of know what people want. So I think that overlap in short period of time created some overlap of toys being on the market at the same time. But um, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I'm excited for the toy line that's going to be at Walmart. uh, And I'll probably wait till they're no longer at Walmart because they're just exclusive for this year. Then next year it'll be at other retailers that take care of their toys. So I'll... (laughs) I'll be picking those up. <laughs> but as far as the game goes, um, I'd love to hear what you guys have to say, if you think it'll be cool or not. Uh, and then... <laughs> <laughs> that was terrible. Terrible. Um, and then just, you know, I, I'm excited for the prospect, but I'm afraid of getting let down. But good to know that there's uh, someone behind it that is known for making some of the neater games. Uh, maybe it's a war game and not like... A zombie side game that would be really nice. How? How? Well, you're just gonna make like 50 man in arm miniatures. <laughs> I get. I'm guessing like a skirmish, uh, where oh, you're yeah. fighting, and um, maybe you have like a hero quest type board, and you're doing some. Oh, like hate. Could be. Maybe they just remake hate. That would be kind of interesting because hate was such a small segment of the community, and a smaller release. Maybe they can, but I hope that it's not just the same game, but maybe there's some ideas behind behind that style of game that would be a way more appealing to a larger audience because that one was very, like, you know, small small niche, so. Uh, yeah, almost to a fault. It's like they wanted to push people away. Um, <laughs> well, with that video know. with, like, cursing and strange parts of the, like, part, like, do you remember the, the, the yeah. hate promo video? It was very cringy. It was. It was just. I can't even recreate it. But there was like um, the F word dropped somewhere, and I know that I say it sometimes, but it was dropped in a random part of the of the dialogue. Like the the narrator was like just cursing. Like who? Usually you don't have a narrator like cursing at you about um, explaining a game that they want you to sell. It was very jarring. But I just think it was kind of a misstep on that but the game is pretty cool i think we did you ever sell yours or did you keep it i kept it the gameplay like looked 
fun. Yeah, like, I'm still like plan on opening light, it. Lightweight skirmish game. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, it was just very, very cringe. If you want to rule, you have to fucking kill everyone. Maybe that should be a drop later. <laughs> but well, we haven't used any drops this episode. No. Yeah, so we'll see how it turns out. I, I know I get a little jaded. Uh, I tend to be more on the negative side, but it might be cool. I'm definitely going to look at it and uh, see if it's something that sparks my interest. But uh, I will always take any Simon game with a giant grain of salt that it might not be as cool as it looks in the Kickstarter because that seems to happen. So, yeah. I'll agree with that. We'll we'll uh, keep our eyes on it, and then maybe we'll revisit it once the Kickstarter drops, and we'll do like a regular segment where we discuss it. Yeah. Um, and once you buy it, because for some reason you're obsessed with Masters of the Universe right now. <sighs> yeah. All right. Uh, last thing we want to talk about before we get out of here is we just got in some really killer stickers, and one of them is really sparkly, and it's our new logo. You guys might have seen our new logo on our... Well, actually, on our podcast page on Apple Podcasts, and it's on our Instagram and other social medias, and we're really proud of it. We got some really cool artwork from Caprio Art, Caprio.art, so check out his page. He does some really awesome stuff, and he made our logo, and we love it. So I got a sticker for that, and I have a sticker with... Um, Two characters you may recognize that I don't want to mention in case we get a cease and desist um, with what? our Come logo. On. So it's got skeleton guy, skeleton guy, and uh, what do you want to call? And the guy who shreds. The guy who shreds. Yeah, the guy who shreds and skeleton guy. <laughs> I love it. Carl, do is that that artwork's on our Instagram? It's the cool artwork you want. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we got it on a we sticker. Can just say it. We can just say it. We're not selling it. That's true. I'm just going to say it. It's Skeletor and Shredder playing a board game. Yeah. It's a super cool sticker. You can see it on our Instagram, the <laughs> artwork. Uh, it's amazing. You want it, and it will give it to you for free if you do one little thing for us. Why yeah. don't you tell them what that thing they have to do is, Carl? Great. So what I want you guys to do is to go on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review, and write something really nice in the text, like one or two sentences about how you like our podcast. Once you submit it and it posts like the next day, you guys should either DM us on Instagram or email us at mail at playwithitpodcast.com. Let us know the like the handle that you posted it at and your address. We'll verify that you did it. And then I will mail you the two stickers as kind of like a little sticker pack. <laughs> I can throw them in an envelope and send them to you. Uh, as long as you're in like the United States, I don't know if I can send like international. Uh, we'll do something maybe down the road as we get bigger. We can do like international. So, um, yeah, uh, these stickers are really cool. I think I'll probably post something so you guys can see it on Instagram. I know that we did an Instagram live. So just we want to give you these stickers. Yeah, we so. want to give you. I bought these, uh, and I'm really proud of them, and I want you to have them. I know there's some people out there that have been asking about some sort of merch and we're not selling merch right now, but this is a good way to help us out and we can give you something cool. They're good size stickers. They're like three inch by three inch or three and a half inch by three and a half inch. So they're not little tiny stickers. You should put them on places. You should take a picture of them if you want to and like tag us. Like it'd be really cool to rep, but that's all not uh, required. Uh, yeah. You all you got to do, do 
is again go to Apple Podcasts, five star review with a couple sentences saying you like us, and then you just email or message us on our Instagram or mail at playwithitpodcast.com. Tell us the handle that you used and your address, and I will send it out, and it'll be a lot of fun. Help us help you be the coolest you can be, because people people are gonna people are gonna be like, hey, where'd you get that cool sticker of Skeletor playing? a board game with shredder and then you're going to be like oh well i'm I'm like super cool you don't even have to tell them that it's from our podcast that would help but you could say oh yeah i designed that um i'm just a really cool smart handsome person and uh so yeah play with it well we didn't tag everything else so you can't you can't just play with it at the end (laughs) so anyways he just did a premature play with the guys turn off right there so there's no point no so uh, we're on other uh, <laughs> streaming platforms. We are on Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora. Uh, I believe we're on Google Play, Apple Podcasts. Come find us. Give us a five-star review. We'll give you a sticker pack if you do it on Apple Podcasts. We already talked about that. So yeah, you can email us at mail at playwithitpodcast.com. Check us out on Instagram, playwithitpodcastshow. We're on Twitter, play with it pod, come at us. And now, Noah, you can play us out. I already said it. Just no. cut that, put it at the end. No, just would you what cut what out? You know what? I'm not say, gonna say it again. Do you want me to do it? I'll I'm do gonna, it. I no, it's my thing. Just cut it. <laughs> Edit it. <laughs> uh, fine, Carl. Play with it.